0: Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another fall edition of The Deciding Point, our breakdown of everything that's happening in this final, regular fall portion of the college tennis season. Of course, why do I refer to it in that fashion? Well, we know there are changes on the horizon in college tennis. We'll have the NCAA individuals next fall. In the meantime, we all get to enjoy a familiar structure to the start of this college tennis season. And of late, we had one of our biggest events of the fall. ITA regionals happening across the country. So many different results for us to bring break down a quick disclaimer to start this show. If we tried to do both the singles and doubles within the course of one episode, not only would our brains explode, not only would the podcast be 22 hours, but I can imagine by the end of it, our co-host and I would be fighting. And none of us want that. So I do apologize for all the standout doubles results that we will be ignoring on today's show. But for the purpose of this recap, we're focusing on all of the ITA regional singles results. I will say this. If this podcast gets 50 retweets or 50 re-Xs, whatever we're calling it nowadays – I will come back. I will give us all a double-specific show. I'll find a guest to help me through it all as well. 50 retweets is the metric for us to go double-specific. But again, on today's show, we got 24 different regions to break down. 12 for the men, 12 for the women. We'll try to do it in an organized fashion. And joining me to help sift through all of the chaos is a man who so frequently blesses us with his time on this show. Of course, you all know him as the returning champion. Of returning champions on our crack rackets podcast hosts of the deciding point with me winter spring summer or fall of course he also is the founder of the no ad no problem blog and podcast it's our dearest friend joining us once again john j parsons j hey great shot welcome back to the show 12 regions in the books have you sifted through the chaos how are you feeling my friend
1: well, I might live in California, but I'm certainly a four-season guy here <laughs> on the Great Shot podcast. But yeah, I've been able to sift through everything. We've had the regional action over a few weekends now, this past weekend being the final wrap-up weekend where all of our finalists and champions are set. So I've been able to keep track of it all.
0: Yeah, it's been a fun set of regions and regional results and. Look, again, it's worth disclosing here at the start, not everyone is playing in this fall portion of the calendar. You see that every year, and for what it's worth, Jay... You know, they say when you cheat on someone, when you tell them about it, it's to make yourself feel better, not the other person. I do have to admit, I cheated on you. We decided to launch the Deciding Point Pro Edition and to work him in the mix. I'm doing it with our intern, our dear friend, Archit Suresh. And so that podcast will come out this week. I It hasn't been released yet, so I told you before you saw it. So I feel decent about myself. But the reason I bring that up, a guy like Jake Fernley who just won a title this week, Joe Monday, who wins a doubles title this week, Shinsuke. Mitsui who wins a semifinal this week there are people who are playing pro tennis uh, instead of playing this college tennis season and again there are absences in regionals that it's impossible to keep track of all of them but if they're not playing there it's because they're probably playing a pro event in that same week I do feel like that's worth disclosing at the start of this podcast but Jay more broadly I was pretty happy with the fields we saw like we got some really spicy results
1: Yeah, I think a a testament, that's a testament likely to the importance of the year end rankings. Mm -hmm. If you think about your year end ranking being comprised of your 15 best results come May, if you're getting. You know, I just saw Sophie Abrams for NC State has accumulated 16 wins so far this fall. A large portion of those are going to contribute to her year-end ranking. So I think you are looking to see players who are competing in the regionals to get those ranked wins in college because those do play such an important factor in that year-end ranking. And of course, qualifying for fall nationals or the national fall championships in San Diego, uh, that's more ranked wins that you could potentially gather.
0: Yeah. And I do wonder, quick hypothetical tangent slash tease to start today's show. You just have to wonder how many players over the past decade, two decades, however long you've been following college tennis, how might their pro careers have differed had they had this accelerator program to launch themselves? Like, is Alex Damjan still playing pro tennis? if the accelerator tour exists in the early 2010s and he had the opportunities to play challengers every fall every summer yeah you start to wonder those things don't you i'm wondering them i wonder if you are jay
1: i think it's a really interesting hypothetical i think one of the biggest challenges for a lot of players transitioning to the pro tour is working your way up from zero starting at these lowest level events where It's not a glamorous life, right? If you can pretty quickly get yourself to, you know, an Emma Navarro, Peyton Stearns, you're in the top 100, you're feeling good, you're playing some of the big events, you're cashing in the big money prize checks. That's a whole different Mm -hmm. uh, challenge than it is when you have to work your way up from the bottom of the rungs.
0: Yeah, I mean... Again, the reason I say slash tease to the opening hypothetical, Alex Damashan joining us on the Cracked Interviews podcast this week. It's an exciting one. You're all gonna hear me in my most
1: fanboy state.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say in my most exposed state, I suppose, but Well, you can ask
1: him that question then.
0: Well, unfortunately we already had him. And (laughs) I'm having him back for a part two. Let's just say that, I suppose, at the start. So that's on the list of things I didn't get to and when you listen to the podcast, maybe you'll understand the circumstances of why. But, yeah, it's, it is it is a fascinating hypothetical. And certainly, again, you see plenty of top players competing at these regions, even if they've already played the All-Americans and maybe even had some success there. They're still out competing at regionals across the country. And, again, we've got 12 women's results 12 men's regionals. uh, To break down for all of you listeners here on today's show, we're going to focus on all of the singles action. How I organized how we're going to go through it is some editorial discretion. I'm going to make a pitch to Jay why I think these regionals are most to least interesting in terms of the results we saw produced in singles, and in particular, my gauge of interest or my qualifications was does this impact my perception of your team heading into the 24 dual match season with that in mind, I was raised well. We're going to go ladies first, then we'll get to the men's result. Jay, any final opening thoughts? You also tweeted out, by the way, Roy Horvitz committing to the University of Virginia. He's number one in the class of 2025. That is an interesting news piece and kind of confirms an emerging trend like, does anyone have the sauce going right now better than Andreas Pedroso? You have to put him probably number one in your power rankings of men's head coaches right now. Any other things we need to address or thoughts on that before we get rolling?
1: Well, no thoughts on that, but I agree. UVA is certainly cleaning up in the recruiting aisle right now. But just to set the stage for these regional events, why they're important outside of your rankings, uh, this is the play-in opportunity for the National Fall Championships, which I alluded to earlier, which begins November 1st in San Diego. Uh, There is only two ways really to qualify either a semifinalist showing at all americans or making the finals of your specific region there are also wild cards awarded to a fall tournament in milwaukee as well as to the ita cup uh representative which is a non-d1 player and then some wild cards for the ita but basically that's to set the stage of what these regional events are for
0: this is why we needed to have you on the show that's an excellent detail that Casual college tennis fans may not be aware of that's the significance of these regions. And just about every region has qualifying draws, just about every region has full 32 64 player draws. As well, you can send players to play this event, try and qualify. And you know, again, as we've already alluded to, these are the individual events where you build up your ranking, where maybe you're on a loaded team and you're playing three four in that lineup, but you had a massive fall. You're qualifying for the NCAA tournament. You're still in that accelerator program conversation. I'm trying to think of the best example of someone like that last year. The problem was it was Rodesh, Styler, Cassone and Quinn in our semifinals and you're like they were all number ones but obviously non-number ones got into the main draw and some of that's dual match play a lot of that is you have a big fall that will pad your stats in the rankings why do the Buckeyes get five in every year as we'll get to the Midwest regions because they dominate the fall and to their credit that's why they had all of these postseason opportunities that said we'll get to the Buckeyes in a little bit Jay, let's get into our 12 women's regional results. And again, I'm going to make the pitch to Jay. He can criticize each and every one that I make. Where I want to start is with the central regional and the results we've seen of the past week from Oklahoma State. And just a little detail that's worth pointing out for all of you listeners, some context. On Sunday, i said this is the official due date for our top 10 polls. And unlike Congress, Jay, Chris Halioris, Archit Suresh, Parson Amadi, all of our voters here this season, sans speaker, <laughs> Alex Gruskin, um, got their rankings in on time. And so a credit to all of you. I then get to cheat off of all of you and call coaches accordingly, do all the things before we come together, finalize that preseason poll. But You look at the week Oklahoma State has had, not just with Anastasia Komar winning this, not just with Obi Kajuru making the finals of this. And once again, it's a big result for the two of them in the fall. Reversed. Kajuru won. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And Komar, by the way, was your winner of the consolation at the All-American. So again, Obi qualified for that field as a qualifier as well. So you have those two doing that. Lucia Pyre, Ayumi Miyamoto making finals and title respectively uh, at the— I forget where in Tennessee it was, but at that 15K. Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah, in Jackson, Tennessee this past week. All the pieces are falling into a team that you mentioned last May had a little bit of a spotlight on it because they're hosting the final eight for NCAAs this year. And I'll tell you what, doing our preseason top 10 there is a lot of depth on the women's side. I feel it more on the women's side than I do the men's this year in particular. I feel like the Way COVID more. bubble has burst on the men's side. Women's side, you're like, nope, we still got one more year of super teams. And yep. you see that there's some serious top 16 depth. I think Oklahoma State, I'm still working out my really really five through ten. Uh, really my four through ten. I feel really good about my top three, and it's shifted And I'm not going to give it away right now, but my top three, I feel locked in. But everything after that, the margins are so thin. I will say Oklahoma State has assured itself a top 10 spot because I just don't know how you can deny it anymore after the fall of pro, of college results, and just the roster that's being put together by Chris Young and this squad.
1: Yeah. And the fact that they're hosting NCAAs, right, Uh, which is also, I think, a reason why they have the squad they do this season. Uh, But Look, these fall rankings, we're kind of getting into them. We'll get to them soon. They'll be released soon. I'm excited for those episodes. But there's so much of an art and a science, right? You can look at the, on the paper, look at the UTRs or the rankings or the WTNs. Uh, but there's also the art to it, right? Of like, how much do you believe in these teams or these programs? Oklahoma State, on paper, they're very high in that top 10 ranking. I would, I would say they have a lot of talent as showcased by the fact that they've split the team and some are going to regionals and some are going to a 15 K and they're making the finals of all of them. So, uh, it's a very impressive showing. I will say, I think the central region, no shade to that region, but might not be as strong as some of the other regions, even though you basically have Oklahoma and Oklahoma state there, but yeah, it's been a very impressive fall so far, uh, and they're starting to round into form.
0: And Arkansas, who know Christina Gomez Alonzo made a quarterfinal at a pro event, but Spink makes the quarters here. And again, Komar beats her in three, beats Guzman, Obi beats Arushia. You know, that Oklahoma State balance had tilted towards the Sumers for the first time in a long time over the past couple of years. And, you know, again, with the falls they've each had, and for Guzman and Arushia to both make semifinals, again, following up on their strong showings at the All-Americans, you got to feel pretty good about the top of your lineup going into the start of the season if you're Oklahoma, even if there's still some questions to answer about who plays where. it was I mean, they should have a good showing, but I think the totality of Oklahoma State, they're number one on my list, Jay. What do you give my pitch? We'll go with the letter scale. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll have to see as we go.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like it's the it's the first one. But I agree. I mean, it's certainly the storyline. I think when you couple it and I know we'll get to the men in a second, but we should say Oklahoma State is the only school that had all four finalists, two men, two women. So we'll get to that on the men's side, I'm sure. But um, clearly, uh, you know, it's helpful when you're. Playing this event.
0: shout out obi and zinc yeah both champions this past week all right number two on my list is more of an individual result than anything else but hannah villermoller wins the northwest region and she beats connie ma 7-6 in the third to do so she also gets a three-set win over yepa fanova we saw el sola semi-finalist at the all-america and katya weirsholm quarterfinalist at this event she got knocked out by villermoller i mean again Blokina, Shu, Yepafanova, Ma, uh, all quarter finalists. There's no panic button being hit for Stanford. But how about Hannah Moller? It's been five or six for this Cal team. A resurgent, much needed resurgent fall for the Bears. Yeah.
1: And there's a few storylines in here of players who played lower in their lineup this past season and have made a big fall jump. Moller certainly one of them. I'm was bummed I was out of town that weekend, so I didn't get to see a lot of the action here in Stamford, but really impressive results from her, as you mentioned. A long list of uh, of players she knocked out, players that she normally would not be beating uh these past few years that we've seen her.
0: Connie Ma three set wins over teammates Blokina and Shu. And then how about freshman Mao Mushika for Cal, making the quarterfinals before getting knocked out by Shu again. Mushika, Villermular, Weirsholm, Al Sola I don't think Giovara is coming back, but, again, there's always December surprises. You never really know. It's a, it's a good team, regardless, over at Cal. You know, Outside of Stanford, who knows about UCLA? Who knows about USC? You keep your eye on that Cal Golden Bears team as they try to bounce back this season. That was my number two, just because I did not see that one coming, Jay.
1: No, I think that's a, a good one.
0: All right, number three on the list. We're going to stay out west. Southwest Regional. Because again, I'm just, what's going on out West? I'm, Pepperdine's got three and a half players. Um, they're offering you and I scholarships. You know, USC's bringing in some hot recruits. There's no doubt about that. But they've probably lost the benefit of the doubt after the last two seasons. Pretty solid regional, I would say, across the board and obviously the big result, Emma Charney, the now USC sophomore winning the regional beats Amelia Honer, beats Savannah Brodis, beats Pepperdines Ana Campania in the quarters as well. Be uh excuse me, beats uh beats Janice Chen in the quarterfinals as well. You're wondering who's going to be one for USC in this post-seague era. Will it be a, you know, a Cayetano who is still around, by the way, and pedigree-wise probably has that spot? Will it be a Charney? Will we see a healthy Snow Hahn? How good are these freshmen? Emma Charney, though, puts herself in the mix with this sort of result, Jay.
1: Yeah. I mean, add her to the list of Villa Muller and a few others I'm sure we'll get to who did not play one or even two for their team last season, but go on to win their regional. Really impressive result from her.
0: And I don't mean to cut you off, but I stumbled through it. I want to emphasize this again. Chen, Honor Brodus, three of the top four seeds, all in three sets. That's really impressive. That That's as impressive as any region result we'll, we'll talk about today.
1: A hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. And uh, USC needed it as well, right, to put some wins on the board here. But, yeah, I'm curious to see how this translates to San Diego, you know, uh, We'll have to see, but a really impressive result for Charney, one that I didn't see coming in a region that did have those players that you mentioned.
0: Honer, Goldsmith, Las Harris, all good results. And then again, Chen, Campana, Brodus, all in the mix for Pepperdine. Um, just worth keeping in mind. We'll move on to our next region here. Mo- again, we're four on the list now. Ohio Valley. A lot of buzz about the names on the Vanderbilt roster, and to see Vanderbilt have a run where they get two finalists in Celia Belmore, sophomore Bridget Stammel, as well. And unfortunately, Belmore forced to withdraw from that final. But, you know, again, an all Vanderbilt final, Holly Staff makes the semifinals as well. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the freshman they're bringing in from Canada, but. Kayla Cross, yeah, and you bring in Kayla Cross to that lineup again. Some of the success we're seeing from them early—it's a big result for the Commodores.
1: Yeah, I mean this region in particular. I talked about the central region being Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. This Ohio Valley on the women's side is Vandy versus Tennessee. That's it, and <laughs> yeah. that's basically what you see. And and Vanderbilt won out, certainly having three of the four finalists here. I believe uh, Elza Tomase of Tennessee was the remaining semifinalist. I talk about looking at these teams on paper, on paper, this Vanderbilt team is probably top 10. Uh, Not only do they bring in Kayla cross who should be joining them in January in the spring, they should also be getting Sonia McAvey back healthy, who was uh, a top recruit for them last season, who was out with a pretty serious injury. Who's just making her way back. Again, you talk about USC, the benefit of the doubt, there's no benefit of the doubt being given to Vanderbilt after last season. So um, they need to earn it, uh, and they're starting to put up some good fall results. But, yeah, this is, I think, first step forward for them.
0: The SEC is fascinating because it's absolutely loaded, and they haven't even added Oklahoma and Texas yet. And that moves to the next one, Florida, which was uh, hosting their region. I think that was the Southeast Regional Emily D'Oliviera, the sophomore, beats Carol Lee, the top seed, then knocks off Rachel Galis, her teammate in a three-set final. Galis beats Bilchev, beats Lapata on her way to that final as well. I mean, this has been one of the topics I've talked about with a lot of coaches of late, how good the SEC is. Georgia, a and we know what they're bringing back, but the depth as well. Florida, Auburn, Vanderbilt on paper, I'm blanking on a team right now. I apologize, but there's one more who should be standing on. I think, who's not in the moment in my brain, even if I'm not because Jay's giving me a look. That's five really good teams this year in the SEC, all teams that will be competing not just for top 16 spots, but teams that probably look in the mirror and think, why can't we be top eight? You look at this Auburn team with Flack and Ansari and Ovunk and Arsenault all back with their freshmen now becoming sophomores and some of their new additions, that, that team that's been through so many 4-3 wars, why can't they be top eight? You know, again, Florida now with this regional, they bring back everyone pretty much from last year. The SEC is loaded, and I want to see some of these top players do battle at Fall Nats, I think, because it's fascinating. Who are the ones across the conference? And outside of maybe Stoyana and Vidmanova. And I guess Ackley and Hamner, but South Carolina has so many other questions. But like the the second level of ones in the SEC, I think that's an open question. I'm looking forward to seeing it answer itself in these fall Nats.
1: Well, this region screamed that it was going to be dominated by Florida because this one, Southeast, it's Florida, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Georgia doesn't send their best to this event. They didn't send Riasco. They didn't send Vidmanova. Vekic hasn't been playing college events. And... Florida lineup is going to be fascinating because, again, these are two players in Emily De Oliveira who won the event over Rachel Galis who played bottom of the lineup last season for Florida, who are showing that they can compete with any of the other factors on paper for Florida, whether it's Dahlstrom, Briggs, you know, Dudney, we haven't seen this uh, fall at all. I think they have six really solid players. Uh, Florida has certainly been a storyline that's jumped off the page in a lot of these conversations.
0: One more team to just put on the SEC radar, and I don't think they're going to be a top, top team, but how about LSU? LSU. And how they've reloaded really quickly under Taylor Fogelman. And they had an excellent regional. I think Sadieva, Graham, and Tuxedo Garcia, they all make the semifinals. Now, it was ultimately Sid Lakova, who I believe is for Alabama, who wins the regional in three sets in the finals. But, you know, got a lot of turnover for LSU over the past year and a half. And with these three... Bring back Kylie Collins as well. There's a nucleus there for that team to certainly be in, in the top 25 mix.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I don't where is Kylie Collins? She's not playing college. Um, She's not playing pro either. So I don't know if she's back. Um, But, uh, you know, Keena Graham, the freshman, one of the breakthrough freshman falls, certainly. So there's a lot to like for LSU and still rebuilding this program. So it's not like we should have super high expectations, but uh, the foundation is there.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll rapid fire through these last ones because, again, fun results, but I don't know how notable. You look at the Carolina region. Obviously, it's a loaded region. Ultimately, Brantmire beats Forbes in the final uh, you had Emma Jackson of Duke, now junior, making the semifinals. Abigail Shelley, the senior for NC State, making the semifinals as well. Katie Cod appearance. Duke's going to need her to step up in the lineup this year. Maddie Zampardo quarterfinal appearance. Obviously, NC State might be asking her to step into the lineup as well. But I don't know if anything particularly notable happened in Carolina, J. It was the top two seeds in the final and all the top four in the semis.
1: Well, not quite, because they actually divide this into two draws: the A one and the A two. Oh, A
0: two, and That's so where everyone the,
1: else was exactly only the champions get through. So Reese Brantmyer earned her spot with that win over Abby Forbes, and then Anika Yarlagata earned her spot in the A two draw, beating so, Sophie
0: Abrams in the final. By, by the way, Abrams had a good fall; looked really had good had at a all great Americans. Fall.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, record-setting NC State, 16 wins in the fall. So uh, North Carolina, no surprise, gets uh, two players through. Um, yeah, not not that big of a surprise. You did see Carson Tengillig withdraw from the A2 draw. That kind of eased Yarla Gata's path a little bit there. Um, but yeah, ultimately North Carolina getting through the Carolina region yep. and helpful that neither of Ackley nor Hamner from South Carolina, who typically play this, did not need to since they earned their spot in the fall Nats by making the All-American semifinals.
0: Very, very true. All right, let's move on, which means, by the way, El Solo was a quarterfinalist, not a semifinalist. Just a correction of myself from earlier Midwest region, it was Michigan-dominated. Again, ultimately, it was Julia Fliegner versus Kari Miller in the final. Kari Miller beating fiona crawley at all americans now wins this regional three and three over fliegner her and arena contos i don't want to say was michigan dominated because arena contos and Kari miller is the best rivalry that we talk about enough on our show because we're paying attention i think they've played now seven times or something crazy like that in their college careers miller gets a three-set win it's always fun to watch those two share the court um but again I, I Michigan had one, two, three, four, five quarterfinalists at this event. Good showing for the Wolverines.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a really good showing for them. Uh, I thought particularly seeing Fliegner continue to move up uh Lily Jones is still looking good this fall. So overall, um uh, I thought it was a great showing. Still no Anna Ross. Uh, for the Wolverines so waiting to see her debut uh, for Michigan the transfer from Vanderbilt but overall you knew this was going to come down to Michigan Ohio State uh, Michigan got the edge
0: yeah big win for Maria Shilakova as well of Wisconsin and beating Jaden Brown making the semifinals pushing Julia Fleigner to three obviously Wisconsin's been a team we've talked about rising over the past couple of years
1: uh, some are saying, though, that Michigan's rise is due to sign stealing. What say you?
0: I mean, look, when you know when the serve's going, life becomes a little easier, poach. Not there you poach. Go. Where am I going with the return? Yeah, 100%. Look, we do what we have to do to earn the victories. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Texas region, big result for the Longhorns. Rapaloo versus Shavatapan final. Rapaloo taking the title. I mean, again, Texas really hasn't done much this fall. Now, we know a lot of the pieces there. Although, do we? Like, yes and no. I don't know. I mean, I don't care about Texas till April. That's what we've learned over the last three years. Where are you on this region?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Rob Blue always has a great fall. Uh, so <laughs> she's one of those players uh, that you're waiting to see it translate into spring
0: results. Yeah. All right. Last three. Selma Cater of Maryland. Shout out. She wins uh, the Atlantic Regional Championship, beats Virginia's Heap-A-Shake in the final Subash was a quarterfinalist, got knocked out by Sheik. Uh, Ziadato, a quarterfinalist, knocked out by Cater. I really like Katie Doherty. I shouldn't let my personal affection cloud my analysis here, but I'm really excited that she was able to get a title with Selma Cater and, again, keep trying to propel that program forward. Um, yeah, thoughts on the Atlantic region?
1: Well, if you're looking for indications on, on teams, I mean, certainly stock down on the Virginia side. Um Yeah, you would expect more from them in this region. Uh, Disappointing showing for the Cavaliers.
0: Annabelle Shu knocked out in the round of 16 by the number 10 seed uh, Kalista Liu in three sets. Liu, for what it's worth, did ultimately make the semifinals before getting knocked out by Shake. That's your Atlantic region. You had Naska Brink winning the Mountain region. For those unfamiliar with Brink, uh, obviously she, uh, University of Wyoming, unseated in this event, knocked out the second-seeded Pauline Ernstberger of Boise State in the second round. And then uh, in the final, she was able to knock out 16th-seeded Marcella Lopez, who knocked out the top seed in the semis. Jay, thoughts on this one?
1: Well, first Wyoming regional winner ever. So shout out to Brink in the program there. That's always exciting.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And then last but certainly not least, how about Penn's? I like this. Penn's Isha Velaga winner of the Northeast region. You know who did not text me that result? Nicholas Gruskin. Shame on you, Nick. Uh, I mean, shout out to Penn. Knocks out Neha Velaga in the final. For those unfamiliar, Neha Villaga uh, also, uh, excuse me. At Princeton University, not Penn. Uh, yeah, fun one, Jay. Thoughts?
1: Well, the younger sister wins out, uh, which is always fun. It was the – I I think it's the second sibling showing we saw in regionals. We saw the Braswells take each other on. In that case, older brother Micah won out. But, yeah, hadn't seen the Velagas face each other here in college, so uh, – Exciting to see. They both get to go to San Diego together, though.
0: I'm waiting for the Nicholas Gruskin text. Where is it, Nick? Uh, hopefully, we'll get it soon. All right, you bring up the Braswells. Any other thoughts on the women's regionals? Are you ready to transition to the men?
1: Well, this probably came through as we talked about it, but half of the women's regionals uh, were teammates in the finals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you did have a lot of schools that kind of dominated their re- respective region.
0: By the way, how would you rank my significance ratings now that we finished all 12? About right?
1: About right. I mean, on the interesting thing, there was probably some more interesting storylines that maybe didn't creep up, but yeah, I think in terms of relative impact to your rankings, which are late, uh, yeah, I think that was probably right.
0: What storylines did I miss? Did
1: no, I we miss got any? no, we we got to them right. Okay. Like the Velagas in the final, right? Sure. It's like a very interesting storyline. Does it impact Gruskin's late rankings? No.
0: <laughs> you know what? you were trying to make a dig at me. I just want listeners to know that's a really accurate barometer. I, I, it's hard to disagree with that assessment, Roger Ebert. Like that was a fair review of my rankings and the criteria that decided that. But in that spirit, let's move on to the men's recap. Here's just the first result that jumped out to me. One I know I will get a text from Nicholas Gruskin about. How about Harvard freshman Cooper Williams beating Michael Zhang in the semifinals, going on to win the region, Cooper's been blessed with the Colette Lewis stamp of one to watch this year, and when the GOAT brings up your name, you have my attention. Look, the entire Ivy League is fascinating because the quality gets better and better every season. That's a really good win for Williams. After not a disappointing All-American, but not a significant All-American, this is a significant regional victory for him taking the uh, Northeast Super Regional.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just sweep it in doubles as well. And yeah. I think it was a disappointing All-American. He went 0-2. Uh, it doesn't get more disappointing than that. Uh, uh, he did have a tough draw. But yeah, so this was a really good result for him uh, to make good on his you know, newcomer status in the top 10. And um, I'm excited to see him in San Diego.
0: Yeah. And again, I think across the board, you know, Radoopapau of Cornell making the semifinals. You had Zhang making the, the semifinals. Finals. Uh, excuse me, finals. Thank you. Where is Inchausp? Where does he play? I'm, I'm blank. Princeton. He's a, he's, uh, he's a Princeton, Princeton freshman. That's what it was. So again, some new faces, new blood. Mm-hmm. Fun to see this Northeast region. And again, how this Ivy League shapes out is a fun subplot to monitor as we start the season. We've talked about the Braswells. I want to go to the Texas Regional next. Michael Braswell's had a stellar fall. And he's finally healthy. But for him to, what, quarterfinal All-American in the fashion that he did in particular, whether it was round of 16 or quarters, he won a couple of matches at the All-Americans. That much I remember. He now knocks out Gorsny, Vevez, and his brother Jonah on his way to the title. Jonah, a really nice win over Pennington Jones in three sets. And again, no Spaziri for Texas in this event, but he wins All-American, so you know he's at one. P.Y. makes the quarters of this event. Waldeep makes the quarters of this event. Texas is the super team we thought they were, Jay. Uh,
1: It's a, I mean, Micah Braswell has looked fantastic since NCAAs. He's the two, right? A hundred percent. I mean, where he's grown, I think PY has receded. I don't think we've seen the best of of PY really in a long time uh so it's good to see my I mean when Mike is playing well he's so good uh and it's good to see him healthy I think he is unequivocally the two here for Texas and there's 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 just so many pieces right It's tough to know exactly where Waldeep's deep's level is uh Cleve Harper is still in all of these events um but yeah I think the 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 biggest question mark I still have even after all Americans is PY yeah on
0: Vive- the other notes Vivez. JPJ Gordis Neal quarterfinals are further Vivez obviously into the finals given he was in and out of the lineup last year he's going to have to contribute given the loss of Jong Fomba this year and look again those three with Fernley Maxted whatever they want to do at 6 TCU is going to be fine a lot you talked to a lot of people there the fourth team that comes up in a top 5 and then 5 is always something different but they're usually a team in that top four conversation even if there is in my opinion a pretty clear delta in the public opinion between th- 3 and 4.
1: Yeah, there's a gulf uh yeah. between 3 and 4, but TCU probably earns earns that four spot just out of respect and probably some inclination that they have to have someone else coming in January. They are a guy short right now if they want to compete with those top four, uh, top three.
0: Four words for you, Jay. Three months, Valcarraz. It's on the horizon. Just keep it in mind. All right. Let's move on now to the Midwest region, a.k.a. the Ohio State Coronation. Bernard, Nakashima, Tracy, Anthrop, your semifinalists and – you know, again, no Boulay, no Kingsley in that mix. Your top two for the Buckeyes last season, who both, of course, can come back this year. Tracy, another big fall for him. He takes the title, uh, wins over Cash, Anthrop, Bernard, three teammates on his way to the final. I have been sending texts, and, and I say this with all affection. Given his affinity for playing with the lineup, Ty Tucker can really do whatever he wants with his lineup this year. Like, if he plays... Bernard at five indoors, and then Bernard at two outdoors, I can't knock him, because like, Bernard is that good outside, and then the other guys, the options, they are indoors. I mean, you could make an argument, Cash, with his not losing indoors over the past couple of years. Why not play him at that number five spot inside? Of course, you have this Nakashima option lingering as well. He gets a win over our guy, Presley in three sets in the quarters, not a ton of Wolverines' success in this. Aaron Schneider, Bickersteth losing early. Illinois, some wins here and there, but not a match. Again, this was the Ohio State coronation, Jay. It's just a takeaway. Super team. Confirmed. Buckeyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you joke about Ty Tucker, but you're right. Any of those guys can really play anywhere. The problem is that he's going to end up putting Cannon at three and you're like, that's the one. Oh, come on. Like you could have done anything else, but not that. <laughs> uh, that's what we're going to end up seeing. Yeah, I mean, I was more curious about these other teams. First like, of all, I,
0: I would like to say I'm laughing. Because I don't know if that would be a bad thing. I'm like, well, it depends on the matchup. Like, maybe on this day you do want Cannon at three. And by the way, maybe on this day Anthrop's forehand is firing so well that Cannon and Boulet is striking the ball so brilliantly or Tracy's just in one of his Tracy modes that, like, maybe he should be three on this day. This guy's made a challenger final. You know my affinity for Cannon. Like, it's just – it is a remarkable team, a remarkable roster. Yes,
1: Um, I look forward to seeing how they roll it out. Uh, Yeah, that's why I was looking to these other teams, a Michigan, even a Michigan State where we've talked about them being the storyline of the season with the top end of an Ozon Barris, a Ronnie Holman. Who else, right, can emerge there? Uh, Illinois has not looked good. Uh, Ozolins has really underperformed his preseason ranking. So, yeah, it's the Ohio State show.
0: Yeah. um, It it was the Ohio State show. I don't know how else to say it. That's your takeaway from the Midwest region. Let's move next to another fun result. Northwest region. Quinn van de Castile had a massive summer of pro success. Was the top seed, but he held seed. Beats Stanford freshman Hudson Rivera. Three sets in the semis. Beats uh, the sophomore from Stanford, Samir Banerjee. Straight sets in the final. It just proves... He is that good. Like he is going to be on the national landscape individually. Now, is that enough to get Oregon into an NCAA tournament conversation? We can examine their roster, early season results, be the judge from there. But you feel good about Quinn Van de Castile going into every match you play.
1: Yeah, and I think after a disappointing All-American event, this meant a lot to be able to qualify for San Diego, put himself in that conversation nationally uh, come May and earning his All-American status. I know that's a goal for him. He looked great. Uh, in a lot of ways, he was a man amongst boys. And I mean that lovingly in terms of younger guys. There were some freshmen and sophomores, and he's a senior, and his serve, his forehand, uh, just was a cut above uh, this past weekend. And, um, Yeah, I was curious to see where Stanford pieces would fall. It's good to see Banerjee healthy making the final there, Hudson Rivera making the semifinals. Kyle King had a disappointing result there. He's the number one newcomer, uh, lost his first round there. Nico Godzik didn't play this event. So more questions. Um, We'll still have those because we won't see them uh, for the remainder of the collegiate fall.
0: Does Stanford have to have Arthur Ferry, currently listed on the roster, come back to be top 10 in your mind?
1: It's not a high bar to be the top 10 on the men's side right now. Honestly, they probably do.
0: Are you going to make the Stanford mistake again? You know you know the the running bit. The last six years, or how long have we done this? The last four years, I'd go in and Matt and Chris would be like, you're forgetting Stanford, you're forgetting Stanford. And I'd go, am I forgetting Stanford And the last few years, I've been proven right. But again, right now, listed on the roster, Ferry, Bosforetti, Banerjee, Bazing, That's not including, again, number one newcomer Kyle Kang, guys in Hudson Rivera, Nico Godzik, who aren't going to be beating the world to death right away. But Rivera just made a semifinal of the regional. If he's playing six, you got to like his chances for some early season success. Of course, Rajesh Kuliszynski back as well as break the glass in case of emergency options if the freshmen don't work out. If everyone's back, I mean, that top four on paper, like, we never saw them healthy last year. We still don't really know how good they can be. You're right. Like, they're the team that you wonder could they, if everything clicks right and Ferry comes back, maybe it is a top four and not a top three. But that's if the, everything has to click right. And, like, it just hasn't for Stanford of late.
1: I mean, get back to art versus science here, yeah. right? Like, the science would tell you that put them at four. Right. Look at that roster stacks up with anyone if if Ferry's back. And then the art tells you, well, maybe I don't know until midterms come. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we'll have to see. I will say uh, Max Basing does not look healthy. Uh, That I don't think is a good sign. And I don't know if Arthur Ferry is going to come back. I mean, the guy is now 275 in the world. So um, a lot of questions uh, lingering around Stanford right now.
0: That's your Northwest Regional. Let's move over now to the Southwest Region. How about Colton Smith? He's had a a very successful fall, and I'll tell you what, we keep bringing him up. Nicholas Gruskin has sent me the text. Arizona is is his team this year. He's going all in on the Wildcats. He likes the fight. He likes just the continuity, and again— Smith seems ready to be one of those guys at the top spot. He you know, was super successful, I think, two and three. His freshman year obviously leapt up to that number one spot last season, was in the mix in the top 40 all season long, wins over Pepperdine freshman Edward Winter, who's a top 600 player in the world, beats Oliver Tarvit, who had a very good All-American from San Diego, beats UCSB's Pablo Maswan in the final as well he's the real deal and again you have him you have strom hoyerall friend who we saw as a quarterfinalist at all americans it's a real lineup jay wildcats have a runway and what again their continuity versus the unknown of stanford it's a fascinating di- and the i guess you throw usc in the known quantity they are as well it's a fascinating trichotomy
1: yeah, I mean, Colton Smith is gonna be ranked top ten when the end of the fall season rankings come out. He has won a lot this fall. Uh yeah, I mean, it really only takes four guys on a team right now to be top ten. There are a lot of teams that can make themselves We're back, top baby. ten. Isn't yeah. it nice
0: to be back?
1: It's really tough though, because we do men's and women's rankings, and so you have to recalibrate and like yeah. code switch between the women where you're like Oh, okay. So, girls' 18s hardcourt winner Eliana Yu is like not going to be in the lineup, and then you're like, who is five and six for some of these yeah. men's teams? It it's 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 unclear, but yeah, Arizona they had a good showing there against Ohio State last season. Um They've got some pieces.
0: We got so spoiled because the rise of this show coincided with the era of the super team. And we all are going to have to recalibrate. Or maybe not if college tennis really does continue to take off as a pathway. Maybe the level just continues to stay this awesome and the pieces shift in and out. And now you need a top 600 freshman at six. Otherwise, you're just out of the ball ballgame. Um, but yeah, it is a recalibration. You're, it's a funny way of framing it. And again... Outside of Smith and Hoyerall make the quarterfinals, I think they and San Diego at Tarvit play Irovasa in the quarters. Those are the only two teams with – it was San Diego and Arizona with multiple quarterfinals. USC gets one in Topsy Peter Mock, who makes the semis. Uh, Tripathi of UCLA gets in. Edward Winter, again, of Pepperdine, a quarterfinalist. I don't know. Like, again, that's probably if you're USC – no, Distanish, but a disappointing showing. Agreed. Yeah. Um, all right. Next region. Central region. You mentioned it. All Oklahoma State final. Zinc knocks out Garcia. Three set win for Tyler Zinc. The fifth year. He's had a good pro. He's had the pro doubles results. He's been solid in pro singles. He's never had the massive college fall loses to spazeri in a tight match at all american spazeri goes on to win the title so i you know again you take that loss with a grain of salt wins this region gonna get another bite at the apple he's a guy I wouldn't shock me to see sneak into a fall mats quarter jay
1: well you only need to win two rounds to do it yeah. but <laughs> i'm also just
0: gonna be honest i got to hang out with him at the oklahoma tennis foundation event fantastic guy just a fantastic guy like big tyler Zink fan he's coming on the podcast soon um Big fan of the tennis as well. Like I, I, just saw the speed, the aggression, the willingness to move forward. There's also, it's stupid. But guess what? I've been around this game now for ten years. There's the way he carries himself. Is the aura of I'm the guy now. Like, all right, I get this. Like, I'm this isn't too fast for me anymore. I should be here winning these events. And I just that's one to watch for at fall Nats. If the draw breaks right and he sneaks into a quarters or semis, that's a that's a take for you.
1: Yeah, and I think that was the theory of the case when he left Georgia uh, to go to Oklahoma State to really be the figurehead of that program, right? He he had to step into those shoes as the top player there now for, what, three years? This is his third year at Oklahoma State. So he's certainly been in that role for a while. He just certainly carries himself as a professional. Um, So it would be good to see him have a good fall after taking a step back from the national conversation after leaving Georgia.
0: If this was a thing, he'd be like seventy-five to one to win the NCAA singles championship, maybe even hundred to one. That would be my long shot bet. Is he's going to win NCAA's in Stillwater? Uh, that that would be like the fun long shot to bet on on home soil. Qualifies for that again, making this regional a big step in doing so. But these are the stupid things I think about in the fall, Jay. In case you were curious, and one another of those stupid things is I'm putting together my men's top ten. Is it time to be back in on Wake Forest, Jay, after a one-year absence? Because, you know, we look at the Carolina Regional. It's an all-Wake Forest final. Maroney beating Suresh, the freshman, who's very good. Very good right away. Um, You know, Casey Houle, Joseph Wyand, your other semifinalist. Rodinus, probably the disappointing loss to NC State's Wyand in that quarter. Like the third time he's lost a college match or fourth time ever in his career and usually it's to a top five seed um i don't know where, where are you with this carolina region the acc men's side at large like outside of virginia unc wake i guess nc state has a lot of returning pieces but it's a bunch of new faces it feels like at the top of the acc or at least on the top teams
1: well i think you're forgetting duke uh, uh who except virginia, for duke really t- yeah, yeah. Virginia and Duke and the rest of, I mean, North Carolina, I mean, they're going to have three guys show up in January. So who knows what to make of them? Uh, No, I'm not back in on Wake. I I mean, (laughs) who are any of these guys just, I mean, coming in, coming out of this program. uh, I don't even know if these guys are going to be there in January. Uh, We'll have to see. Um, We'll wait to see what that lineup looks like in January.
0: Yeah. Luca Powell made another run. He's a freshman there. I mean, obviously, they bring a new assistant coach, Brian Baker, as well. I don't know. It would be very Tony-esque to have a massive season this year out of nowhere after, obviously, the disappointments last year. That's your Carolina region. Disappointment for Duke, but, like, Duke knows who they are. John, Zhang, Heller, Rodinas. They know their core. They know what they have coming back. Let's move to an interesting region, Southeast region, just because we didn't know what we didn't know, and – you know, if you're Georgia coming out of it, MPP Miguel Perez-Pena winning the region, that's a big result given he's really all you got back from last season given all the faces that moved on. And, you know, to have freshman Cyrus Mujab also make a big run at this event, he makes the semifinals as well. Thoughts on the uh, your final semifinalists, Alvin Todorica, Martin Katz. Thoughts on this region, Jay?
1: I would say my, my take on this region is that it is a testament to the step back that the SEC men will be taking this year. Um, yeah. This one was weird. It's it's a weird region. No big um,
0: Florida presence freshman Jeremy Jin making a quarterfinal. He is good. I'm in on Jeremy Jin. I said that after the All-Americans. Um, but yeah, it's you're right. Like it, It's the most fascinating thing. I have no idea who's winning the SEC men. None at all. And so many new faces across the board. We'll get to see them all work in. Certainly we saw that in uh, the Southeast region. How about the Atlantic region? Ryan Fishback's very good, and he's had a solid fall. And talk about a super nice kid when we got the chance to interview him during the All-Americans. But he wins the region. I actually don't think that's shocking. He has put together these sorts of results now for a year and a half.
1: Well, he won it last year too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Vander Schulenberg makes the semis. He loses to Mathis Bondes. No Rodesh, no Montez, I believe, in this draw. Kiefer makes semis. Hop- or Kiefer and Hopper, excuse me, make quarters. I don't know. Uh, Atlantic region thoughts? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I was probably expecting to see more of the Virginia uh, squad show up. But, you know, we haven't really seen Dylan Dietrich, number two newcomer, uh make a big presence. We haven't seen big runs from Kiefer or Dahlberg uh, to carry over their May form. It's feeling a little light uh, outside of those top three, and you don't really expect those top three to make big runs at at regionals. Maybe they don't even play it, but yeah, this is a region that is not super strong outside of Virginia. Um, I was surprised to see Mathis Bondas make a run here, the transfer from Texas A&M, who... uh, I don't recall – he certainly didn't play high up in that Texas A&M lineup. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, good results for, for Fishback certainly carrying the uh, the Atlantic torch here now for two straight years.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, Ohio Valley got a little funky. Again, a lot of the Tennessee guys were off in Las Vegas playing that 15K. In the end, it was Leo Rankin of Middle Tennessee beating Pau Fanlow of Memphis in the final. I mean, again, the lack of Tennessee presence striking – Jack Lauded of Kentucky, the freshman, does make a semi. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Kentucky freshmen are very, very good. But this, this region got a little funky. Again, top seed uh, in the region, Etienne Denay knocked out in the round of 16 uh, by Michael Kamrowski, the number 11 seed. Kamrowski, of course, I'm glad you asked, Jay, out of Middle Tennessee as well. It was a funky region. It got a little weird.
1: Yeah, and this is one of a few regions where you have your champion and finalists who aren't ranked in the preseason rankings. Uh, So it got weird. (laughs) You had uh, new faces emerge. But in all honesty, I mean, this is a great thing for so many of these programs and honestly, a good... Uh, For the ranking system, the more that we have like national play among teams like Memphis and Middle Tennessee, the better it is for everyone because those teams are going to go play non power five teams and those players will bring those rankings with them. So the more pollination that happens, the
0: better. Well, speaking of which, you look at the uh, Mountain Regional, you had Utah State number four seed Boden Zarkovich. He gets a three set win over Den- uh, Denver's Daniel Sancho Arbizu J-, uh, J. That's, I mean, again, always in the Mountain Regional, you're going to get the Utah, Utah States. We talked about Wyoming when we talked about it on the women's side. Top two seeds were both knocked out, I believe, in the round of 16, round of 32, respectively. It was Busselman of Utah, the top seed. I'm blanking on the name for Denver's number two seed, but Denver was the number two. Thoughts on the Mountain region?
1: Again, more uh, more new names uh, that we haven't seen here on the national stage. So excited to see them more in San Diego uh, and get to know them better.
0: Yeah, last but certainly not least, Southern Regional, which I'm defaulting because their draw format was weird. Half the draw was empty when you looked at it on the draw sheet still. Peter Yovanovich knocked out by Enzo Aguiar in the final. Aguiard, of course, of Alabama, I believe. Yeah. Yovanovich, Mississippi State. You had Alabama's Planasek in the semifinals as well. Pounce DeLeon makes the semi. Shout-out to our guy Alex Banchilla making a quarterfinal appearance thoughts on the last but certainly not least region jay
1: yeah i mean despite the bias on this podcast i mean mississippi <laughs> state is i think one to watch right they're hovering last season around you know the top 16 and they bring in some really solid guys From I mean, a utr perspective they're one of the strongest teams uh when you start to go at four or five and six so um jovanovic has been really strong and um I think he's definitely one to watch in San Diego.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, all of these finalists and champions, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, finalists and champions clinching spots in that San Diego draw. So we've got a jam-packed field. It's going to be a really fun event at the Barnes Tennis Center. And of course, we will be broadcasting that event on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. So once we have draws, we will be back to preview it. Another home-and-home, home, Jay? Is that what we're thinking? You have Ethan already booked.
1: Uh you are you are more than welcome.
0: I don't wanna I don't wanna kick him off. That's what I'm saying. I really like when you like I really like when you and Ethan talk. I don't want him to feel as though how about this? What if we have him on both? Or is three people too much for fall nats?
1: Yeah. We'll figure it out offline.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's fair enough. Still under an hour, by the way, over the forty five minute mark, but that's everything, folks. Twenty four regions. Ups and down. That's everything that happened at these super regional events and Again, we still got fall nets to come, a little bit more fall college tennis to discuss, and then we get into it. Preseason top tens. I think I decided right there, Jay, we will start our preseason top 10 as soon as fall nets have concluded, because then all of our fall action is in the books. Maybe we'll have some more late recruiting announcements then so we can adjust accordingly. But that feels like a starting plan for us. So now all of you listeners and Jay are in the loop on what our plan is moving forward. And again, always appreciate you taking the time to join us, Jay. Any final thoughts before we wrap the show?
1: No, I'm, I'm glad that we're bumping it a little bit. Some more data, the better.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what we've learned over the years is give yourself some extra time. You can always rush recording dates. You can't fake when recruiting news is going to come out.
1: I know, but those dates keep getting pushed and pushed. At some point, we're just going to have to do like a 24-hour broadcast on the day before uh, kickoff weekend or something, but yeah. we do our best here.
0: Yeah, or again, DMs are always open, at crackrackets Rackets, at Jtweets, Tennis at A.L. Gruskin, but at A.L. Gruskin first, give us the leaks. We want to know what's going on at your program. We want to be able to inform College Tennis Nation about everything happening in the universe, of course, in that spirit. Go check out our pro edition of The Deciding Point with our intern, Archit Suresh. That's available here on the Great Shot podcast feed. And again, be on the lookout for plenty more content as we approach the start of another dual match season. Of course, a shout out to Jay for joining us. A shout out as well to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the (coughs) covenanting job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible with that said. For the fantastic John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.